the trees podcast kips here you know today's a uh solo episode you know i appreciate everybody that turned in the uh a bunch of questions was probably about 24 25 submissions for our mailbag episode and when king gets a little break in his schedule we will definitely attack some of those uh together because there's some great ones on there some serious ones that i think are worth a deep dive and uh, purposeful conversation, but also some funny ones. Like, for example, who was the best Mortal Kombat player in our house growing up? And easily, that was me with Jax, the character. But he'll probably have some arguments. Uh, but today I'm solo because I've got an emergency hybrid podcast. So it's I'm hoping to keep the duration to addition on the drive length, 20, 25 minutes, maybe max. But it also blends together calling men in. Uh, the series, the segments that we started with Car- Carly Rohner and Jeff Matsushita, where we're really trying to call men up to a reimagined manhood. Um, and then it's also got some Founders Forums uh, aspects to it, because I'm talking about some subjects that is exactly why, professionally, I do what I do. You know, today's it's something it's kind of a mold between some current events and the professional sphere and the purpose of teams of men and what I do. So we're going to get into it. I'm excited about it. I'm fired up about it. It's probably a better word because I'm I'm on one today, everybody. So let's start here. Let's start with the current event frame. And if you pay attention, I mean, if you follow us on uh, Instagram or on Twitter, right, you know that Kip's a pretty active user. It's actually one of the questions that got submitted for the mailbag was uh, between the two brothers, Kip and Kane, why are you guys so different on socials? Like I post constantly all the time. Kane doesn't. He have a, he has a bigger following, uh, but he's not as a, he's not a big poster. He's a liker. Uh, he's a retweeter, but he's not a big poster. I'm constant, you know, and we'll get into addressing that. But obviously, Twitter and what's happening with Elon and Twitter and X or whatever the hell it's called now has been a big discussion this week because he's proposed blocking, taking the block button away from Twitter. Now, I can't stand the concept. Uh, I think it's a horrible idea. And uh, I think I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people have voiced that. I don't think that really matters to him, but two voices that do matter to him are the Google Play Store and the Apple Store, because in their terms and policies, they actually said, no, man, like we're not going to have any apps on here that are social media content type apps that don't have a block button. So I don't know how Mr. Musk is going to get around that. But the block button is a is a way to protect oppressed groups, Um, black and brown bodies of culture, women, LGBTQ community, anyone on Twitter or X. Um, have the block button to detangle their lives from the constant harassment of mostly, let's be honest, everybody out there, white, cisgendered bro bros who don't want anyone on Twitter asking them to improve themselves. Uh, They don't want anyone on Twitter asking them to have some version of empathy for others or be curious about the lived experience of others. And if I'm going to give you some examples um, of folks that I follow on Twitter that deal with this type of nonsense and need the block button because of the trolling and the ridiculousness they put up with as they're trying to help all of us engage and learn. Uh, At Lady J Persists is a great account that deals with bullshit. Uh, Ask Aubrey, 
fantastic account. And I love Ask Aubrey because she'll just screenshot your nonsense and throw it back up and let the world know how stupid you are. Uh, obviously, Brenda Tracy, friend of the show, um, she deals with it constantly. Um, at M Raz, Feminist Next Door, she and she engages with it. She goes at people. She doesn't put up with the nonsense. But these accounts are all women. Uh, in the sphere of can we can we uh, prevent and reduce sexual violence, domestic violence? Can we call men up to a better existence? And they get flack all the time. And I know their life wouldn't be the same if they didn't have the ability some days to just hit block this idiot. Uh, also, let me name that that list I just gave to you was entirely white women. So let me also say I know Jamel Hill. I know Joy Reid. I know Tiffany Cross. Uh, black and brown women probably get this triple the amount even of those people I just mentioned uh, because they are you know targeted even more by the white cisgendered bro bro club. Um, so obviously, I'm a fan of the block button, and I think a lot of people out there, especially in the work that, I, that I'm in now, career-wise, in the healthy manhood and reshaping masculinity to help it prevent harmful acts, people need the block button. Uh, so I wanted, But I want to share with that framing something that happened to me this morning that while it wasn't on Twitter, it wasn't on Twitter, it was on LinkedIn, but it absolutely encompasses block concepts. It encompasses deciding when to engage, when not to engage with uh, people online that are trying to troll you, why I believe teams of men is needed, why I do teams of men, actually how I do teams of men, um, and also shed light on the typical responses that we get in this work from men that are moored to a very set, rigid station of beliefs. Like They're literally anchored to it and unwilling to move, so unwilling to move that they want to scream into the wind of anybody trying to help them set sales for something better. Um, so let me start here. So anybody that has followed me might have seen some of these posts I put up. But a, a normal launch point for me uh, in working with teams, working with coaches, actually, a lot of the time is the rape culture pyramid. So if you take a minute right now, just go on to Google, type in the rape culture pyramid, and you'll get a very specific, and here I'll do it with you on the pod, you'll get a very specific set of images that there's, you know, there's a bunch of versions of it, but it's also, it's all very similar. Um, one of the most popular ones, 11th principle consent, at the very top of the rape pyramid, rape culture pyramid, is things that you would hope are explicitly no-nos that you've raised a son or coach young men to know, gang rape, murder, molestation, rape, violence, they're awful, and they wouldn't do it. The issue is a lot of people stop there and say, hey, I know those are wrong. I don't need to know anything else. But that's the tip of the pyramid. And we all know pyramids are built from the ground up. It's just science. And so at the bottom of the pyramid are things like rape jokes, boys will be boys comments, unequal pay, girls should stay home, victim blaming, locker room banter, sexist attitudes and discussions. So these things at the bottom of the pyramid is where a lot of the times I start conversations and it's really the evolution of my growth in the field. If you know anything about me with teams of men, it started in response to top of pyramid actions at the pre my previous institution and me knowing I hadn't done anything at the bottom of that pyramid with my own players to make sure they didn't commit anything at the top. So I hadn't done any of the work on locker room banter, pornography framing, rape jokes, sexist attitudes. I hadn't done any of that at the bottom to prevent my guys from committing sexual assault, domestic violence, murder, rape, coercion, all those things. I just got lucky. These things were happening. My guys weren't doing it, but I knew I had to address the pyramid. 
Um, you know, and that led me into so many connections, led me into, you know, even like I just gave this talk last night. We spend a ton of time as coaches in the, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this field. And I'm talking about, hey, don't turn the ball over. Don't throw interceptions. Don't jump off sides. Don't be slow out of the starting blocks. Don't swing at a bad pitch. We tell kids all the time, don't, don't, don't. And But we all know that just saying it once, don't do, isn't enough to equal them not doing it. Like I said many, many times, don't turn it over. And we still had turnover games. I would never stop myself in trying to eliminate behavior on the court with just saying don't once. I would put a whole practice plan together to do this. Now, that's what I try to get coaches to do in the sphere of prevention is, hey, you can't just say don't do. That won't move the needle. You have to create intentional space with a plan, with a certain amount of dosage, certain amount of times to get these kids to prevent choosing those behaviors. Okay, We talk about bridges and platforms a lot. We talk about risk reduction, where we're telling women, hey, save yourself, carry your keys like Wolverine, don't go out at night, run in groups, have a partner when you go out to the bars. That's risk reduction. We know, and I've been taught by the smart people at the Oregon Attorney General Sexual Assault Task Force, like Carly Rohner, Meg Foster, and everyone else that does a fantastic job in this education, that risk reduction doesn't get the job done. It's putting the onus on the wrong person. We've got to get into healthy promotion, relationship skills, belief systems from men to get actual prevention. We've got to get men learning about their beliefs around sex, around gender, about body autonomy. We can't just tell women to don't and save yourself. So saying all these things, a usual tipping point for me, and I'm going to try to play it here off my computer and then hopefully the audio for the pod picks up, is you'll usually find me in the first one or two sessions with coaches or teams doing a presentation that somewhere is around like something like this. Those, you let rape jokes, you let locker room talk, you let nonsense go in your team room. You might, but you can stop. So typically... I'll be in a session and I'll start with guys. I know you're not doing the top of the pyramid. All the research tells us we've got to meet men in strength and power. We can't meet them in accusation. So, hey, I know you guys aren't doing these things, but you might be engaging or allowing the things at the bottom of the pyramid to happen. So we need to stop those. So I posted this clip. Some of you might have saw it. Um, I gave a presentation at a college recruiting event to to high school juniors and seniors that want to be college basketball players. And that, that was the framework. So I posted this to my TikToks, my YouTubes, my Twitters, my Instagrams, my LinkedIns, my Spoutables. You guys know I'm everywhere. I know. You're probably sick of it. So I posted this a couple of days ago. And this morning, I wake up to a comment. For, and I really struggled with this because if you come at me on social media and you use you, I, you don't DM me. Like if this person had DM'd me their comment about my presentation, the work I do with Tinsman. If they had DM'd me privately, I would keep this private. I would go back and forth with this person and the message privately. But my guy, Richard James Rogers, award-winning author and blogger, my guy came at me on my post in a large thousands of person coaches and athletic director group. So, yo, man, I'm going to call you out too. You want to have this conversation in public? We can have this conversation in public. I struggled with that a little bit this morning because, you know, my wife is confrontation averse, which is not a bad thing either. But sometimes I go out and I seek this shit, which I think I should. Like Jen Fry says, allies take up risk. Allies take up conflict. They don't take up space. I can't be a male identifying person that says, hey, I try to help and then not take up some of this risk. So anyway, my guy says to that comment, my guy says to my presentation where I said, fellas, you might be allowing rape jokes, sexism, locker room talk in your sphere. We got to talk. We got to stop it. 
my guy says to me, rape jokes? Is that even a thing? In my 40 years of existence, I've never heard any of my male friends make rape jokes. And so he says this. I read it twice to make sure I see what's happening. Okay. And once again, before I, I go into how I answered my guy, Richard Rogers, award-winning author and blogger, I recognize that this only happens to me like once every 20 posts. So I'm not putting myself on the same pedestal or I don't get any halo for talking about this because I know the women I mentioned before, the black and brown women I mentioned before, the LGBTQ community, they deal with this shit in spades every single day. And most of the time, any grief I get, my Auntie Faye comes at him harder than I do on TikTok. Yo, if you come at me on TikTok, feel free. But Auntie Faye's coming at you. And I love you. I love you, Auntie Faye. But anyway, but this type of response where my guy says, okay, my guy says, rape jokes, is that even a thing? In my 40 years of existence, I've never heard any of my male friends make rape jokes. This is exactly why I do Teams of Men. And this is exactly why I wish I would have got Richard Rogers when he was in high school or college. Because too many of us men are in ostrich mode. If I bury my head, figuratively, obviously, in the sand, if I pull a five-year-old, plug my ears, don't, nah, 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 I can't hear you, that I can convince myself that my small slice of this earth is what everyone else is and should be experiencing too. I can pretend none of the ills are going on. I can tell myself, I'm a good guy. I can tell myself, my friends and I have never heard these things. I've never seen that. I mean, listen, man, I've been fortunate enough that nobody in my immediate circle has ever had cancer. Does that mean it doesn't exist elsewhere? Do I go up to somebody and say, well, I've never had that in my family, so you must be full of it. I can't prove you've never experienced the love I have for my wife. I can't prove it to you because, because you, I can't prove to you that I actually love my wife because you don't have our lived experience. The lack of something in your lived experience does not equal the lack of its existence anywhere else. So I responded to my guy, Richard James Rogers, um, and I did try to take a, I don't want to say nice. I didn't also want to flip off the handle so I could be painted as some angry lib because that would be the next thing. And I've experienced that before. But I said, hey, Richard, number one, I appreciate your inquiry, man, and the quality of the circles you traveled in. Number two, rape jokes, in my opinion, include any language storytelling regarding physical domination, pain-inducing sexual exploits young men share about their bedroom contests. I beat it up. I slammed the shit out of her. I'd also challenge the notion, Richard, that a lack of existence in something in my lived experience equals a lack of its existence in anyone else's lived experience. Finally, I'd imagine many of the young men in the team rooms I work with have been exposed to a ton of pornography, which we probably, Richard, can both agree, presents numerous instances of sexual assault encounters as merely, oh, she likes it rough, or I need to take it from her, and is the epitome of promoting rape culture. And I even waited today, everyone. I even waited an hour, which is not how I roll. You guys know, I, I just get an idea, I do shit. I go, I wanna just fail quickly and go. I waited an hour to see if my guy would come back to me with some version of curiosity, learning, vulnerability. No, he didn't. So I just, I had to talk today. And if you are in these, if you've had this experience, 
this, I mean, this type of argument is getting lost in specifics intentionally. My guy is missing the entire point of my presentation, which was to help young men have courage in the moment to tear down the foundational systems of rape culture, of misogyny. Um, and this appealing to the ignorance of my lived bubble, of my bubble, is just so frustrating. This Richard's claiming him and his crew have never heard a rape joke. Bravo! Low bar to trip over. By the ways, but I, but I guess we should mail you your medals since you and your guys have never said it. Great, awesome. You probably have never promoted not saying it to anyone outside of your circle of four golf buddies. So maybe next time I'll have to be more specific. And maybe that's a good thing. Thank you, Richard. Maybe next time I'll tell young men, hey, here's the four or five types of jokes or comments that I mean. Okay. But then my guy would say, well, number three, Kip, you've never said that one. But I've never heard that one before in my circle rinse, repeat, and we'd be all the way down chasing these straw men, and we'd lose it, which is part of his point anyway. And in the entire time, he's denying that locker rooms, without intentional unlearning work, intentional, calendared, created topics from coaches and the team leaders, are cesspools of perpetration of the foundational pieces of the rape culture pyramid. I mean, I honestly, I bet money that my guy Richard and his crew, he would tell me, I've never heard a racist joke or homophobic joke either. So therefore, I don't know what all this fuss is about, everybody. Richard and his crew are the perfect model of humanity. Therefore, the rest of us must be here in nonsense. This is my point. I believe, I don't, like I said, I don't get medals either for writing back four paragraphs to my guy, Richard. I, no, I don't. But also, I think a lot of us, have to stand up to this nonsense in the circles we roll in. It doesn't have to be simply on Twitter, simply on LinkedIn, on TikTok. In the circles, how many times you've been to a barbecue? How many times you've been to the bar hanging out with your buddies? How many times you've been on vacation with a family member and heard some nonsense about a group that's oppressed? And you've either uncomfortably laughed, you've turned the other way, you've stayed silent, and in thinking that if I stay silent, that will encourage them that I that will let them know that my silence equals dissatisfaction or I don't approve and they'll stop saying it. Actually, our silence emboldens them. Our silence emboldens racist, homophobic, misogynistic language, references, stories. We've got to speak up. I'm not telling you to come off the third rung and punch somebody in the mouth. I'm telling you to use your words, stand in your power and say, man, I don't, I don't talk about stuff like that. I, mean, I don't think that's funny. Hey, explain to me a little bit what you mean, because what I think you mean is offensive to me. Those are all things you can do. And if you can do them, then you're probably modeling it to your sons, your daughters, your players, for them to stand up in the moment. Cross the streams.